Hey everybody and welcome to episode 9 of Journey Through Grilla Island. I'm your host Zig and joining me is... Barry. Sarah. Emma. And today we're going to be talking about Keep the E Out of Our Ool, which took place on the 27th of April 2004 and came from the Elks Lodge in Santa Ana, California, with no attendance listed on Cage Match. Which I think is funny because was I crazy or were there more people at this one than the last few? Definitely more people. Yeah. I Definitely either. more robust. Were there more people or is it because they got rid of the floor seats and everyone had to go up into the quote-unquote stands? Oh, yeah. Possibly. The reason, the reason I asked MIP is because I thought from certain camera angles I was like, this looks like a significantly bigger crowd. And from other camera angles I was like, actually, no, it doesn't. Yeah, there is so. one point where I think a disco machine is thrown out to a very empty side. <laughs> so yeah, maybe they were... Putting them all on hard cam. The old uh, smackdown taping technique of everyone opposite the, the camera side. I thought it looked a lot better though. Okay, so our show opens with Colt Cabana and Adam Pierce um, in the ring wearing the most stereotypical early 2000s gangster wear. Colt Cabana sporting a very fetching Cuba gangster t shirt. And an upside down visor. And uh, pants that will not stay around his waist. Even though he had a belt on, <laughs> they were down to his, they were cargo shorts down to his knees, but with the belt still on them. He is the master of comedy. <laughs> he definitely still owns those <laughs> So Pierce and Cabana cut a promo mocking Baby Slim in what's that called? Like fake Is it Ebonics? Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, like Really stereotypical Wankster Wankster uh, You know uh, Hip hop language of the era I guess you would say um, If it sounds like we're You know Approaching this promo Very apprehensively It's because in, in true Early PWG fashion It gets very problematic Very quickly And we're not You know We won't be recapping it Word for word But Adam Pierce does Drop an N-bomb For claims he didn't uh, So yes I was going to ask you about that So he's he kind of says it twice but then it seems like he's saying actually saying a word that sounds like it just to get the reaction because Johnny and like believes he said it I think he was doing the old thing of oh no I didn't say the bad one he goes to, he turns to Johnny and he goes I, I ended it with an A oh, I think that's okay. what he's going for right because I did rewind it like three yeah, times okay. and he definitely does right Call Cole Cabana his N-word. Mm-hmm. And then, like, says Baby Slim went to the Sanford and Son School of Wrestling. Oh, God. Um, and when talking about Baby Slim choking him out last month, Cabana asks, are you sure he didn't just sell you some bad rock? <laughs> so, you know, like, all yeah. the all the good comedy um, out of the way early. Colt said that uh, him and uh, Pierce was in the club and some trick was talking shit. Um, nice. Which is, yeah... Good old school promo there. Poor Valentina seems to have been forgotten. She was also there. Um, But also, it just looked like she was wearing just the leftovers from the other two. So she had like one bandana and (laughs) a simple chain. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's all that Baby Slim had that they could steal. They just had to get away. Big Bobby Slime. Yeah. yeah. Listen, this is the most, number one, the most charisma I think Adam Pierce has shown. Throughout his time in PWG, unfortunately. And number two, Cole Cabana is definitely enjoying this a bit too much. Slim's chokehold move. I, I believe this is, I don't know if this is his actual name or they were they were making it up to insult him. But they said it was called the Bling Bling Dream, because obviously it's a version of the Million Dollar Dream. And then Pierce said, or some stupid black gay shit like that. And I was like, okay. 
Uh, fair enough. And I think they, they wrapped it up by Hulk Cabana saying he would make Baby Slim his Rodney King, which was certain even really tasteless back then. It's probably not even more so probably due to proximity so, to the Rodney yeah. King incident. So there you go. And he thought my Exxon Valdez reference was out of time. <laughs> Quick question before we move on. With these goofy outfits, is it just me or did the PWG title look like a little cosplay toy shop belt? I just, Adam Pearce just looked like he was being a pretend wrestler for Halloween or something, but including the belt. <laughs> to be fair, doesn't he always look like a pretend wrestler? Oh, wow. Oh. Wow. Wrecked him. Absolutely destroyed him. That was... And not okay. Open to the show. No. I get the impression Colcomana would apologise for it. Adam Pierce would stand by it. <laughs> no, I think in his mind that was good heat. Yeah. And anything goes if you're a heel. Yeah. Like the old days. Yeah. Yeah, probably the defence of well, yeah, it was racist. You were supposed to boo me. That's that's how you that's how you incite uh, social change according to loads of wrestlers, is just do lots of really reprehensible stuff but call yourself the heel and then it's fine. And then say, You've seen American History X, did you not have a problem with that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so moving swiftly on I think, leaving yeah. that in the past where it belongs. Our first match is Disco Machine against Charles Mercury. So we have the press release, Disco Machine versus Charles Mercury, written by Silverback. In a day and age, Charles Mercury is far too young to remember. Disco music was listened to, danced to, and enjoyed all across the world. From the clubs in New York to the mean streets of Tempe, Armenia, (laughs) disco music gives people hope that they too could be a giant gold medallion on the chest hair of life. One such person was Disco Machine, who fought his way off the streets, out of poverty, through the clubs, and now to his position as pool boy at the Beverly Hills Hotel. If disco music (laughs) could do that much for someone like Disco Machine, imagine what it could do for someone like Charles Mercury. That's exactly what Disco Machine thought as he tried to explain to young Charles what the disco lifestyle had to offer. Instead, Mercury, a connoisseur of country music, rejected Disco Machine's offer with a resounding slap to the face. A rift was created and a match was made. No wonder these two dislike each other so much. Continuing on the theme of disco trying to help people through dancing and disco music, he revealed on commentary that he has a two-year-old son who he trains in a dungeon, (laughs) much like Stu Hart, but for disco. Since he's an accomplished dancer and is his cat. Oh, his cat also trains, yes. Who humped Excalibur's shoulder while he slept. (laughs) I really liked Disco's gear, the, the black and silver with little blue trim. Just thought it looked very flattering. And that's all I really have to say about this match. I thought it was a, like a good showing from both of them. I think it was their best that we've seen. They were a good match for each other. I'm not saying that they were like great, but I thought it was probably their best. I think it's really good because you could sense from the Guerrilla Games, coming, not Guerrilla Games, yeah, Guerrilla Games coming into this, there's a little bit of something between them. Yeah. And I think that really added to the match. There was that kind of dynamic, like these two don't like each other. There's a point where Charles Mercury has Disco Machine in a bow and arrow stretch and he just keeps bouncing him up and yeah. down and Disco says he's bouncing me like a Tijuana horn yeah, yeah I, thought, I thought it was it was, it was alright probably the most impressive Disco showing so far I would yeah. say I don't know if it's his longest singles match but it's kind of the, his most notable one so far it was it was solid and it was less comedy than he would have done right Disco Machine won with a choke breaker 
which I've not seen him do before. No, I thought it was great. Yeah, no, it looked yeah. very good. He's never won won a match. <laughs> <laughs> to do his finally got to see it. Congratulations, Disco, on your first win on the on the podcast. To need to resort to <laughs> life. First win on the podcast. Yep. First win that we've ever seen in our lives. A good opener. It's nice to see someone else in the opening match. Yeah, and it stuck to the theme of the night as well. Like a lot of the matches seem to follow on from Gorilla Games. I think opening with something part of that story worked as well. Definitely. Agreed. Thank you. <laughs> Thought I needed to validate your opinion. Yeah, yeah no, I agree. Two. <laughs> Two women. Wow. <laughs> and then the next match we have is Ricky Reyes versus Puma. When the Cuban government calls and tells you to go to a peacekeeping mission to Haiti, you listen. <laughs> That's why Ricky Reyes will be flying solo on March 27th, since his usual partner, Rocky Romero, will be off giving a flying cross heartbreaker to the Haitian government. <laughs> Ricky Reyes could have easily taken the day off as well, but because of his incredible Cuban worth ethic, Reyes offered challenge to all members of his LA Dojo team. Always looking to make a name for himself, Puma accepted the challenge and intends to show Reyes that Puma is his own man, or giant feline, and not some kid who is there to be pushed around. Will Reyes continue the Cuban streak of destruction PWG? Or Puma once once prove once and for all that he has stepped out of the Havana brothers' shadow? Nice to see Puma not in the first match. Yeah, making his way up the card. I also actually thought that this was his best showing. Yes. So, deserved. I thought him and Reyes worked really well together. Reyes yeah. is like a, a beefy bully. That's, what, that's exactly yeah. a hooligan, a yabo. <laughs> a yabo? <laughs> Just like TJ Perkins, he has three names. I kept naming things. <laughs> Bully hooligan Yavo. Loud. <laughs> loud. <laughs> the loud Ricky Reyes. <laughs> They've never heard the term loud in Southern California. I'm almost certain. Yeah, I thought Puma was, was in particular was really good here. Like some cool innovative stuff. He did like the twisting tornado DDT, yeah. which is kind of funny. I, I don't think I've seen that a lot these days. Mm. Like I said, this is 2004. So TJP, he does deserve his, his rep for being an a, a innovative junior. Um, and he also did a. Was it he jumped out of the ring between the top and middle ropes into a hurricane rally? Like just really yeah. cool little things that you'd like to see from a guy on that level on the indies. So the loser of this match was walking home broke because they wouldn't get the, the winner's purse. Could have been Gucci, could have been, you know, something from the dollar store. And that's what they give um, everyone's pay in, is the winner's purse. Early on in the match, uh, Ricky Reyes goes for the mask and he gets the mask off to reveal Panoy Boy. What? what? And Disco Machine was incensed because he'd been writing checks for Panoy Boy, TJ Perkins and Puma all at once. God, oh, they're getting audited for sure, they said. So that's three winners' purses he didn't have to give. And then the running joke to the match that Reyes was fighting three people and the referee couldn't keep control of the match. I love that they just acknowledged that even in 2004, you know, with the, with, as primitive as the internet probably would have been back then, that it was a terribly kept secret that TJP was, was wrestling under both these monikers in, in PWG. It was so funny. So Reyes hits three fishermen busters on Puma. So to continue that joke, Disco Machine said that it was to put each one of his personas away. <laughs> I well, felt like the match actually got better when he was unmasked. Yeah. Like, Puma, Perkins, Pinoy came alive. Like, yeah. he really Yeah, lit that fire for yeah. sure. And I think that's nearly why it's his best match so far, is because there was that story element to it. It wasn't him going out trying to have a good match just for the sake of it. And like we said, Ricky Reyes 
with his very many monikers now that he that, that he now has, really got to play that up afterwards. Um, but they did say that maybe he might not have taken the match if he knew that TJP is three people. Which is fair enough. Yeah. Even with TJP getting all fired up after losing the mask, this still felt like the most trivial unmasking I think I've ever seen in a professional wrestling match. He just yanks it off in the middle of the second match on the card and the match just keeps going. Um, and the commentators just joke about how we knew it was him anyway. Well, to be fair, we also all know who he is. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It yeah. would be insulting if they did if they get did, sensed yeah. and be like, oh no. So the place of their... Especially seeing as he's wrestled on as Pinoy yeah. Boy. Yeah. Who didn't wear a mask? Yeah, yeah so <laughs> that was my fault. <laughs> <laughs> We're on the same page here. Oh, that chemistry! Wow. Everyone is agreeing with you. Yeah, yeah. wow. <laughs> Sig, the rightest man in wrestling podcastery. Oh, I don't know what that line's going to be a good one. Oh. Yeah, David Starr won't like that. <laughs> ah. So Puma wins this one uh, with a tiger suplex, sort of out of nowhere. Sorry, it was, it was a Puma suplex? So apologies, apologies. A Puma suplex out of nowhere. The next match is the Ballard Brothers versus Samoa Joe and American Dragon. The press release is as follows. Much like the favourite children's fairy tale, The Samoan and the Dragon, <laughs> Samoa Joe and American Dragon don't get along very well. And as it happens, have had their fair share of fights. Also similar to the fairy tale, there's a pair, a pair of surly Canadians, the Ballard brothers in this case, who are out for revenge. Revenge which they will get by hook or by crook, eh? Revenge which is a dish best served cold, cold like the frigid plains and icy mountains of Canada. The swarthy Canadians used a well thought out scheme in order to hand Samoa Joe his first loss in PWG, which, oddly enough, is exactly how it happened in the book too. Now it is Joe who seeks revenge, teaming with a man who is normally his opponent and not his partner, American Dragon, to get revenge for the Ballard Brothers' act of getting revenge previously committed in their revenge-getting scheme. <laughs> Visit your local library for a copy of The Samoan and the Dragon to see how this all plays out, or just be there at Key the E out of our Ool on March 27th. Thank you very much, Silverback. Sounds like a great book. So my dad used to read that to me every night. Um, so first things first, Everyone in this match is wearing blue and white. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but the Ballard's are slightly on the purpley hue, though. Okay. I think. I don't know how you could tell that with the DVD quality. But. Um, I don't know, because I, th- I had the same thing written down, but I was like, it's slightly different. It wasn't different enough. I don't know if I have just never noticed this before. Is one Ballard way more jacked and tagged yeah. than the other? Because yeah. when they went, at one point early on, they went for a tag and I was like, this is, you don't look like, because I previously thought of them as a generic wrestling, mm. almost twin team. They're just two blonde guys look the same. And then I was watching this match and I was like, you do not look, you don't look like you're related. Like one of you was really weedy and pale. They went, yeah, because they went into it a bit, their last show, because uh, one of them was obviously getting uh supplements from Talwar I believe it was and they talked about that so yeah Knee Brace Ballard is jacked and so tanned (laughs) and then Pale Ballard because obviously Knee Brace was injured so just ate steroids all day (laughs) and worked out on the, the top part it was chest day every day but they still look shit they look like shitty they've tried so many different looks yeah they've tried so many different like gimmicks they just look shit when Brian Danielson was in the ring, he was stretching one of the pallets, and Excalibur explained that he knows how that feels getting stretched out by Brian Danielson. 
and that he can now fillet himself <laughs> after a good stretching from Brian Danielson. So when it was Double Dragon, mm. and that was when uh, Danielson stretched Excalibur and Dragon kicked him, him in, kicked in the dick. That was a good move. A, a running theme from Super yeah. Dragon, it seems. <laughs> dick kicker. Although it comes back to bite him in the main event. Foreshadowing. Yeah. yeah, the commentary was very amusing during this one because you had that line, and then when Joe was in and he was being very small, Joe, he was, you know, dominating all this stuff. The commentators were discussing how they found out about 9 11, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, a variety of topics covered in this one. One thing that we got out of this was we learned a lot about Paul T. Um, yes. You know, I, I was very happy about this. He's an avid surfer. Goes on, he's going on safari in South uh, Costa Rica, and Excalibur hope he's wearing some fancy knickers. Because apparently he does, as does apparently American Dragon, because he is an Anglophile. Yeah, big, big fan of English fashion. We also find out that Joe is the Ring of Honor champion at that moment. Yep. But that could be any point in the next two years as well. <laughs> could the Ballards be the new Killer Bees, ladies and gentlemen? What do we think? That was an amusing question for several reasons. Uh, who was it, Disco, said that? Or was it one of them? <laughs> one of the two. One of the, one, of, one of the two commentators said that. <laughs> I don't even know who the Killer Bees are. I know oh, they're an old, like, 80s tag team, but I don't know who they are. <laughs> okay. Moving on. Joe and Brian were fighting at the end. Oh, this yeah. finish was so bad. So, so bad. Dragon had Ballard A in um, uh, abdominal stretch, which I guess this match is notable for ending on a, an abdominal stretch. <laughs> they did the sort of old heel thing where the tag, the guy, the illegal partner grabs the legal partner's hand and gives him some leverage on the abdominal stretch. But against Brian's will, he sort of didn't want to cheat and Joe made him. And then the referee started counting to five. And when he got to four, I was like, this is not how this match is ending. You are, this is not how this match is ending. And then he, he got to five and just called for the bell. And I was like, that is the worst finish I've ever seen. So Dragon was like outraged. Um, there was a lot of really bad editing after the matches, commentary going over, commentary ending too soon, uh, cutting immediately after the pins. But so he calls for the DQ. We then immediately cut to Joe already being beaten down by the Ballards. And we get like a five second clip of Brian saying, that's what you get, Joe. And then they cut to the next match. I assume um, the Ballards music played after the match. So they had to cut all that out. Yeah. I'm guessing that sets up Joe and Dragon. Yes. For the next one. For the whole match, I was saying, what is the point in the Ballards? What is the point in the Ballards? And I was like, oh, this is the point. They're just going to help set it up. I still hate that they get wins, though. Yeah. Like, this yeah. win, and they beat X Foundation like yeah. a couple shows back. It's just really frustrating because they're terrible. Yeah, I don't. They don't have any upside at all, to be quite honest. So, our next match is Baby Slim against classic Cole Cabana with a submission victory over PWG champion Scrap Iron Adam Pearce at the last live show 88 miles per hour it would seem only natural that Baby Slim would receive a shot at the title but due to some slick political manoeuvring by Pearce Slim will not receive a title shot this time around but rather be forced to go through the returning I have to turn the page here but I think I know who it's going to be classic Cole Cabana When Slim was notified that he would not be getting the title shot he fought so hard for, he filed a complaint with Commissioner Paul T. However, due to a strong gust of wind, the paperwork was blown out to sea while the Commissioner was surfing, and it never received an official looking over. Therefore, Pierce dodges another bullet, and the fans are the real winners when Baby Slim takes on Cole Cabana. 
that is far less problematic than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> hey, Silverback is, isn't. Silverback a woke is, king. Yes. Woke gorilla. <laughs> Taro rejoins us on yeah. commentary. But luckily it's a three-man booth. Uh, Excalibur is communicating with the lads via AIM. As he had to go back home to Philly. Hilarious. I really liked Colt Singlet. It was black and it had, I don't know if it was like a Second City Saints thing, but it had like a, a angel wings and a halo and it looked really cool. It was really gothic and evil yeah. and I liked it. <laughs> a very not Colt Cabana. Yeah, I'd never seen him in something like it. Yeah, I'd say it was when him and Punk were heels in Ring of Honor. That's his mm. probably left over yeah. from that. March 04, sounds right. Yeah, it's very, what's, uh, what's the name of that band? That uh, AFI. Goodbye. Very yeah. AFI. Yeah. Taro points out that Rick Knox is taller than both men in this match when they're they're both kind of causing problems, and uh, that's why people don't fuck with Knox. He says. Having said that though, Cabana looked jacked here. His tits looked so meaty. Yeah. Mm. Honestly, he had like big fat titties, yeah. like really <laughs> meaty. I liked it. <laughs> I even read that Cabana has meaty tits. He does. You are vibing off Cabana today. <laughs> Love this English, love how he fills it up as well, just for the wrong <laughs> subjects. Yes, respect. Um, the match starts with a brawl outside that goes around the building for a bit, and Slim hits Cabana with a pizza box. A good culmination to a wild scene. Oh, in the midst of all that, uh, Adam Pierce gets ejected, which I'm sure will be enforced to the letter of the law, and we won't see him again during this match. It was at this time a message has come through on, on AOL. Just, you know, Excalibur giving his opinion um, on who's going to win. He said, Babe Slim, because uh, you always bet on a black man in a fight. Except if the white man is Russian or potentially Ukrainian. Excalibur a betting man. And they're his tips for this match. I spent a really long time trying to read Slim's pants and I thought it said iguana. <laughs> Surely it said gangster. It said one gangster. One. <laughs> yeah. I was like, Iguana. Hello. Was this Crip themed gear? Has he switched allegiances since the last time we saw him? Yeah. Well, no, just everyone wears blue now. You have to wear blue. Oh, yeah, there was a wrestling. memo before the show. EWG. Lads, bring the blue gear. You're not getting, you're not getting booked. Colour of the season. Maybe it's the area of California they're in. They had to. Maybe. <laughs> they were in Crip country. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Elks Lodge. <laughs> Crip County, yeah. California. <laughs> the match itself was fine. Not much to it, but also not terrible. A few nice just, clotheslines from Baby Slim. Yeah, it was just two big lads hitting each other a bit. Mm. It was fine. Slim gets Cabana in the... Bling bling dream, I, I guess, guess it's yeah. called. Which uh, looked terrible. I, it's a really horrible looking million dollar dream. And Pierce comes in and distracts the ref. And while the ref is dealing with Pierce, Cabana gets the chain that he stole from Slim and does the Eddie Guerrero fake out where he pretends he got hit with the chain. And Rick Knox buys it for a second, even though Baby Slim is standing right beside yes. him the whole time. Oh my god. And they were both facing outside to Adam Pierce, who was distracting. They were both turned to face him. This I, is another fucking I awful think finish. It was definitely a mess. I think maybe Valentina distra- or called for the ref too soon that Baby Slim was supposed to turn around, see that, and then kind of react, and then 
Valentina is to call Rick Knox, who'd still be arguing with Adam Pearce. Then he'd turn around and then he'd say, oh, shit. I thought he waved his hand for the DQ, but then it just kind of kept going and Colt used the weapon to win. I was like, talking about overthinking everything. Two in a row there, just a really, really bad mess at the finish. Listen, they were confused because they're like, why, Adam Pierce? why have you bought a ticket? Why are you sitting get the front row, getting comfortable? I'd be very confused as well. I thought you just, but you came in, sat down. Complete receipts available in front row, and then you realise maybe they start sending all their tickets to the restaurants. Get some, get some numbers, get some revenue. They're struggling, guys. I can see, I can understand their problems here. Hmm. While the ref was distracted, Pierce came in and hit Slim with the chain, and Cabana just pins him. Now fans should not be allowed in the ring. <laughs> Disgraceful. So after we had a discussion on the last episode about how weird it was that Slim was getting these wins over everyone and he should really be the logical number one contender and he loses to Colt on this show so I, I don't know if that's the end of him or what but that, that seems a bit counterproductive very dumb, silly dumb dumb especially our next match mm. which is Adam Pearce defending the belt against Bobby Quantz the one win one loss Bobby Quantz <laughs> wins yeah. matter in PWG would you like to introduce this one Emma? sure Scrap Iron Adam Pearce with Valentina versus shooting star Bobby Quantz. As the sole member of a deep space exploration mission, astronaut Bobby Quantz's scout craft was scoring the solar system for signs of life when it was bombarded by cosmic rays. While all instruments on the scout craft remained normal and Quantz himself still felt normal, he couldn't help worrying over his experience in the stars. Concentrating on the task at hand, Quantz docked the scout craft with the main shuttle and began his slow return to Earth. However, upon entering the hyperbaric stasis chamber, which would allow him to sleep for the three-month journey, due to the bombardment of cosmic radiation, his body began to adapt to conditions in space, which would give him seemingly superhuman powers once he returned to Earth. Heightened speed, incredible power, and increased jump ability are only a few of the newfound abilities possessed by Earth's newest superhero, the Shooting Star. Meanwhile, in pro wrestling gorilla, a dark cloud had formed over the once prestigious PWG Championship <laughs> as the dastardly Scrap Iron Adam Pierce had stolen the gold from its rightful owner. Wise to Scrap Iron's penchant for skullduggery, PWG Mayor Paul T climbed the steps of the City Hall and flipped the switch on the shooting star signal. <laughs> Will the shooting star make it in time and be able to wrestle the championship from the hands of the villainous Scrap Iron? Or will Scrap Iron's lovely assistant, Valentina, provide some sort of distraction that will allow him to avoid the justice dished out by the Earth's mightiest titan? Whew. <laughs> that was more interesting than the match. Yeah, yes. I just... You should have seen Emma's face reading that as well. I've never seen someone so confused. <laughs> I don't like space. How big a nerd is Excalibur? Oh, I love him. So, the match. <laughs> it was okay, I thought. I, Bobby Quantz is good. You know, I, I enjoyed him once again in this. The most interesting thing about this for me was just hearing about Kaz's sex life. Yes. Since he was in the oh, belt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He said sex twice. Once with himself. Yeah. Since, since he lost the belt. belt. Yeah, he's having a really tough time. But he is currently X-Division champ because he still loves TNA. <laughs> loves TNA and needed a belt to pull up his fallen down trousers. We haven't talked about her much. Valentina, her gear is the most... I don't really care that much about wrestling. Yeah. She's just got some kind of shiny pants and a 
just a top, just a, just a white top. She looks like a fan. I think I, I think I had confused her on the previous episode. She looks like a fan who's just gotten a little bit eager and is like banging on the apron or something. She's just a person who stands near Adam Pierce, really. I thought she was used a bit more in this okay. match, and I thought she was used a bit better. Hmm. So she wasn't just go come on, like you know. She was involved in the finish, I yeah. guess. Yeah, yeah. But I think. Uh, Overall, she was being really irritating and annoying in a kind of a good heel valet way. I mean, all valets suck because yeah. of the position they're put in, and it's shit. But look, it's the only way you can get women on the card, so <laughs> yeah. I'll take it. I liked the pants. Tara loves Guinness. Tara is drinking Guinness and wears a beer as food t shirt. <laughs> but he's going to die soon, guys. Very concerned for Tara's health. He seems to be sick. And his health is rapidly deteriorating as he hocks up a lung in the background. Excalibur also weighs in on AIM to inform Disco Machine that Palti hooked up with a girl off MySpace. There's <laughs> <laughs> any, like, a line that is of the time. It's just what you just said there. Yeah. Do you all have AIM? AIM. Uh, no. Yes, I get it very late, though. I was American. MSN boy, yeah. It yeah. was an American thing. Yeah, I was on it because of forums that I was on because yeah, Americans all the Yanks yeah. have it yeah. but yeah it was MSN MSN yeah. it was before my time oh, shut up sir it was not before your time what are it you was. talking about if you relate to it and she's younger than you it was before my time me. Jesus <laughs> I used MSN she's like three or four years younger than you that's not that much <laughs> okay now I'm getting gotten to about my age <laughs> yeah there was a really annoying thing I'll blame Patrick Hernandez for this he stops a three count on two to tell Valentina to shush yeah, yeah. you don't stop a three count to go shh that's dumb and that's all on Patrick Hernandez you suck the match was fairly boring mm. yeah the match was under 12 minutes and it honestly felt like 20 to me I felt like this just dragged and dragged I did actually check at one point the match running time on the internet because I was like why isn't this over I'm not going to blame Bobby Quantz I don't know if that's <laughs> my bias but I don't think it was his fault this was a boring as fuck match yeah I don't think much else needs to be said about our beloved PWG champion <laughs> <laughs> so Quantz hits his shooting star, but Valentina distracts the ref while he has Pierce pinned, and Pierce hits him with the pile driver for the win. The most generic Adam Pierce shtick that you can see coming from a mile away. That yeah. move for move, we could have laid out this match ourselves and known exactly how it was going to go. After that, Cabana comes in, tax Quantz, Slim comes in to save. They're having another big brawl thing. Kaz comes out. Um, he did get a Frankie chant, to yeah. be fair. Um, so cool. So there was a reaction to him, at least. It sort of starts a four-man brawl. Paul T comes out to try and defuse the situation. Mm. That doesn't work. So then the locker room empties. Yeah. And they have a sort of wild pull-apart, which was okay. But I like this. They just happen so often. No, yeah. but I think the fun part was all the different names. Yeah. Because you have yeah. all those guys come out. Then Taro comes out. And then Hugh and Tornado gets mentioned. No, that's... Johnny yeah. Oh, I've been guys. waiting for Human Tornado now because so for the past few shows <laughs> I have thought that Human Tornado was working camera but I wasn't allowed to put it on after the little Cholo B-Boy incident <laughs> but now I have been vindicated that yes it is Human Tornado what? you've been vindicated that he's there in the building it was definitely him on camera it was hardly someone else now at this stage 
I was about to make a joke, but I won't. I'll let you hang yourself on, on that one. But uh, if anyone knows if Human Tornado worked camera in early PWG... No, I'm pretty like, sure he did. Listen, guys, Frankie Kazarian needs sex, okay? Can we just focus <laughs> on that? He's yeah. celibate, needs sex, and he's tan. They did identify him as celibate Frankie Kazarian, like it was his nickname, which I did appreciate. And Taro did the always funny uh, when he when he was commentating, and he then ran out to the the brawl. He said, "Come on, Colt, come on!" It's not you know, like he was doing it live. Oh, and then oh. Colt picks him up and like babies him, puts him up <laughs> on the turnbuckle, and practically pats him on the head. Um, Paul T was knocked out cold. <laughs> really? Well, it seems like yeah, he's he, legitimately knocked out. He did take a hit. Did you hear what they said at the end? Is that blood or soy sauce? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Possibly a mix of both, I think they said as well. So Kaz has to go from this to wrestle next? Yeah. Frankie Kazarian versus Spanky. When George Spanky McFarland received a call from the WWE, he thought to himself, surely some mistake has been made. But the promise of a weekly paycheck and all the diet Pepsi he could drink was more than enough to draw McFarland out of retirement for just one more shot of glory. Despite dying in 1993 of a massive coronary failure, <laughs> the star of the fondly remembered Little Rascal shorts was ready for a shot at WWE Gold. Sadly, it was not meant to be. When McFarland showed up to the arena for his first day at work, he found that Brian Spanky Kendrick had also been called for a job, and the two men were meant to compete for the coveted chance at stardom. While McFarland did not get the position with the WWE, his brush with fame allowed for a more lucrative career in the world of professional wrestling, with his most well-known encounters coming against Frankie the Future Kazarian. However, as time went on, McFarland's course became badly decomposed to the point where he was unable to wrestle and once again forced to retire. <laughs> At the same time, Brian Kendrick sought his release from the WWE and upon his return to the independent wrestling scene, claimed the mantle of Spanky for now and all of eternity. Due to being heavily involved in defending his former PWG championship, Frankie Kazarian was unaware that McFarland had retired, and the new Spanky was much more agile and tenacious than the man he once faced. Kazarian has offered an open challenge to Spanky on March 27th. Would he be surprised by who shows up to answer that challenge? Or there will be two recently departed Spankies instead of just one? <laughs> Did you say March 27th? Yeah. Well, the graphics said April. The graphics are wrong, but it is okay. March. I liked Disco talking about the first time he met Frankie Kazarian yeah. and assumed due to his um, surname ending with Aryan that he was Armenian which I guess Disco is I, I didn't know that, that was actually a thing because obviously it's mentioned in the press release there about him being Armenian he, as well he said his ex-wife was Armenian that's how he, he knew is that my so if your name is an I-A-N like Kardashian yeah. I-A-N that's usually a sign of Armenian heritage. Okay, but he uh, he said he knew this, and he he quoted some greeting at Kazarian, which he said he learned from his <laughs> ex-wife. Again, now that could be just disco being disco, but that's that was what he said on commentary. Um, yeah, that is true. No, no, that's just uh, that was oh, the story I was oh, telling. Oh, sorry, but Kazarian didn't know for the whole night if he was being ribbed or if this was a serious question, yeah. and then disco also didn't know <laughs> if he was ribbing him or if he <laughs> wanted to know. I thought this was a perfect example of two TV wrestlers having a match. Mm-hmm. It was like nine minutes, solid, but nothing there. Spanky's gear was disgusting. Yeah. Awful. What was it? Awful. Yeah. It 
didn't match just it looked so cheap um, but he looked really cute so <laughs> I'll let it slide um, I don't know if uh, you know uh, how you all feel I've never really gotten Brian Kendrick what uh, oh. okay I should have known it was going to be that way right. never at all my favourite I think my favourite match of his is the Ibushi match from the Cruiserweight Classic but that is a great match that That's is a great, great match and I liked I liked the uh, the levity of, of Danielson on commentary I think I might like him best in WWE as a little lad getting thrown out I've never oh. liked him as an indie worker guy he was better before WWE he is someone like who got completely reprogrammed yeah okay do you know like because he was a lot wilder he was a lot more high flying um, a lot more reckless like London I suppose like London and they he's the same actually London post WWE isn't anywhere near the same wrestler I think they're two guys that really got reprogrammed by WWE but also really worked in that system like London and Kendrick together as a team is like one of my favourite tag teams in WWE but I also feel like they're the two types of people that love wrestling and being in that system kind of kills it a little bit so they don't even try as much but I will say the mention of Leonardo Spanky on commentary just warmed my heart because that's like my favourite thing about Spanky was his Leonardo DiCaprio bit in Japan because I thought he looked like him came out a great uh, My Heart Will Go On remix (laughs) entrance music why did he do this? In Japan. Zero one. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, not anybody. Yeah, young. If you shave, yeah, shave Brian Kendrick does look like young Leo. I never even thought about that. But I even think here, just to sh- like how good he is, there were some of like the, the Brian Kendrick mannerisms that he even showed back then, just like the swagger and the way he walks around. He was definitely a man who knew how to carry himself. And you kind of forget that like he came from the Shawn Michaels school along with mm. Amdrag. So the, the fundamentals are there. The first indie wrestling DVD I ever bought was the best of Spanky. Wow. Yeah, danger, danger. Yeah. Oh, I have that too. Yeah. Was it a Ring of Honor one? Yeah. So I yeah. assume it had some really embarrassing uh, cover arts with 10 fonts on it? It's not bad. No, it was just him. Okay. Yeah, their best ofs used to just be a picture, a picture of them on yeah. a black background. One of, my, one of my first, just tangentially, one of my first indie DVDs was also a best of Ring of Honor, best of uh, Brian Danielson. And what was your first indie wrestling DVD? Oh, I got everything illegally. Wow. Way to support the boys. What? Do you think... What if my parents found it? They'd kick me out. Fair enough. I brought mine on holiday with my parents. <laughs> oh, my image just exploded. <laughs> to Spain. And when they went off to the beach and stuff, oh. I'd sit in the apartment watching the best of Spanky oh. and Death Before Dishonor 3. My God. <laughs> I can't judge because I, I did the same thing. Hell Yeah. <laughs> Anyone have anything else on the match? It was decent. Notable, I guess there was some booing when Frankie won. Yeah, I don't blame people for getting a bit sick of it now. Especially the uncrowned champion thing. Which, yeah, yeah. And also, at the time, I imagine Spanky was quite the, the buzzworthy name. Yeah, I think, I looked it up, He's only, he was only a month gone from WWE at that stage. Yeah. So, it was probably his first match back. Among them, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. I was going to say he's very likeable, but after Barry's revelation, I'm not too sure now. <laughs> that Barry's very likeable. She don't be loud enough at this stage. Kaz wins this one with the wave of the future. In another moment of great editing, it just cuts immediately to Brian Kendrick hitting him with a slice bread number two after the match, I guess. They'll enter into some form of feud. Or just send a crowd. I'm happy. I don't know. I'm sure the intention. I'm sure they weren't planning on, on Frankie being booed. I, I I guess. So yeah. 
Uh, next up, we have the Tag Team Championship match, X Foundation versus Bosch and Quicksilver. Uh, the press release is as follows. Being the last four men remaining in the Gorilla Games match at 88 miles per hour, the X Foundation and Chris Bosch and Quicksilver are no strangers to one another. There was a time, however, when Scott Lost and Joey Ryan were walking down the street and they saw a large van with tinted windows driving slowly right next to them. Lost and Ryan, remembering what they learned in school, turned around and began to look for an adult. But at that same moment, the driver's side window rolled down and asked the pair if they liked candy. <laughs> Being huge fans of candy, the pair approached the van, only to find two men waiting there to ambush them. After a short fracas, the X Foundation was left laying in the middle of the street, and the two men in the van drove off before the proper authorities could be alerted. <laughs> Who were the two men inside the van? Why none, why none other than the famous Hollywood actors Cheech Marine and Tommy Chong. <laughs> the X Foundation were... <laughs> the X Foundation were never given this information, and to this day hold Bosch and Quicksilver responsible. <laughs> Hence the title shot being offered and accepted. That's much better reason than what we got on the last show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Bosch and Quicksilver like jumped Lost and Ryan at the start, and I thought they were really good at the start of the match. Like they, especially Bosch, he was really laying it in. It was the most fire I've seen from. It's what he should have been showing in the Gorilla Games. A lot of covers, a lot of two counts, kind of straight away. Like lots going on. Like it was kind of non-stop. I enjoyed it. Nothing to say, to be quite honest. Very upsetting. Too much offence, to be quite honest. Trip Washington. Quicksilver. Didn't enjoy it at all. Um, I was left heartbroken, to be quite honest. But Lost had that great hot tag before he lost. He was running wild. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's when Scott Lost came in, he was really, really good. He had some great sequences, really fluid. It was actually probably the best I've seen him in that quick little little sprint that he had. It was a really nice uh, instance of Lost goes for one of his really beautiful super kicks. Bosch caught it and spun him around into a single crab, which is really nice. Although, unfortunately, as part of the little flourish, he also gave Lost a low blow, but was right in front of the referee. And so the referee had to do that thing where he goes, oh, come on, don't do that. <laughs> but couldn't disqualify him. I prefer that than them just ignoring it yeah. or trying to pretend they, they didn't, didn't see it. it. Yeah, yeah. Scott Lost's spear is great. Just thought I'd throw that in there. I think it's... Very, very good, very high-impact spear. A move that doesn't look great was Chris Bosch's fist drop, oh, which yeah. is absolutely yeah. appalling. <laughs> which is disappointing, because it was a good showing from him. The best I've seen him so far, but it's just so weak-looking. And it's meant to be this big double-team finisher because Quicksilver hits a backbreaker, but it just looks like he's giving a flying nuggy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I'm just being the low man on all of these. Another, I thought, really bad finish that I didn't like at all. Bosch pinned Ryan after Scott Lost went for a super kick and hit Ryan by accident. And I was waiting if there would be, like, a follow-up move or something. Because, like, Scott Lost's super kick has never been treated as his finish, I, I don't think, at least not on these shows so far. So for that to be the finish was very flat. Because it was all action. It was a really good, it was, uh, you know, a good semi-main event level indie tag where they did lots of cool stuff. And that, that came kind of out of nowhere. And the crowd seemed shocked by the title change. I don't know if it was shocked they changed hands or shocked that that was the finish. But they seemed like they were completely caught unawares by that. You wouldn't even know the title change hand because it just went straight into the next match. Mm. It didn't show him with the belts or anything. Oh, and it was also only like eight minutes. Yeah. It was very short. I think... <laughs> why am I mad with something that happened like 15 years ago? I think that's why it made me so angry how much offence 
that Bosch and Quicksilver got in because I think it made Explanation actors really, really weak as the tag team champions. I don't think they really should have. Mm. But obviously, if they're moving on to, you know, being some fighting between uh, Joey and, and Scott, okay, I kind of understand. But like eight minutes just makes it seem like a complete steamroll. It was insulting. Yeah. But do you think that's because they were playing it up that on the last show that Lost and Ryan didn't take them seriously? And so they sort of came at them hot and they beat them quick. And now it's going to be, oh, they caught us cold, they shocked us. But why did Joey walk off then when it's just well, as much as still his be pissed. Yeah, Joey Ryan's weird. an arsehole. I, I didn't that, say he wasn't. I, like, just, <laughs> I was like, just trying to explain the booking to you, Sarah. <laughs> oh, thank you. I really need that. I really need to explain, to be explained how wrestling works. <laughs> um, no. I know that I always have my biases and I'm very set in my in my thoughts and ways. I actually genuinely was. I was with the crowd. I actually just kind of went into shock after this and got really annoyed. So our main event of the show is the guerrilla warfare match between Super Dragon and Scorpio Sky. In many ways, pro wrestling guerrilla is a lot like South America. You have the verdant rainforests, the tropical climate and the widespread political instability that makes the region so famous. Also similar to South America is the method by which such political instability is quelled, not through barbaric gun violence, but through the ultimate test of manhood, the guerrilla warfare match. With one victory in guerrilla warfare under his belt, Super Dragon would seem like the sure bet to be the winner in this encounter. But much like the bounce of a grenade, Scorpio Sky is unpredictable and could just as easily bounce into an orphanage <laughs> as he could bounce in the face of Super Dragon. What does that mean? Who knows? But the last guerrilla warfare match featured all sorts of ass kicking and Scorpio Sky himself promised that this one will be 11 million times worse. I don't think it was. It was worse, but not in the way that he meant it. <laughs> what do you mean? Compared to Joey Ryan and Super oh, Dragon. Oh, okay. They got going straight away, just, yeah, uh, knocking the hell out of each other, which is, which is good. Uh, Disco Machine frantically trying to commentate at the start, and he was just out of breath. He couldn't really keep up, because he was trying to call all the moves, and he just got a bit... <laughs> got a bit uh, tongue-tied and... and Taro then would just repeat the words <laughs> that Disco was saying. I loved um, their singing though. What did they sing? It was, I'm not going to sing it, Such a Habit to Break and it's a song by Chicago. Very nice, very nicely sung. Talked about Super Dragon's ample ass again. Yeah. yeah. Enjoyed that. So Dragon beats the shit out of him at the start and hits a curb stomp until Sky cracks him over the head with a steel chair like unprotected yeah. absolutely vicious chair shot and then starts working over his back with the chair which Taro claims is so he can't lift him up for the psycho driver so that was good um, going after his knee a lot as well yeah and they explained the backstory of his knee injury and how he doesn't do his high flying moves anymore because of that I thought they were doing the, the, the usual thing where in most of Super Dragon's matches, but now obviously in, in his two kind of hardcore matches we've seen, just laying everything in, just nothing looks like it. Like the chair shot is a great example, but nothing's looking like it's done with in the name of safety. It's like they are just flinging each other around. There was like two spots where where uh, Sky got thrown into a propped up ladder and just just thrown in there and, and there was no, no good way to take it. 
um, uh, there was a spot where a dragon got dropped toe, uh, toe hold by Sky onto dragon onto the ladder and he looked like he kind of bonked his head on the bottom rung like he just about hit the ladder but looked like he properly hit it uh, so like as we've talked before it's that kind of just wildness to all the dragons matches as I alluded to earlier Super Dragon's stomps to the balls came back to bite him when Scorpio Sky hit him with a double stomp to the balls <laughs> yeah that was vicious I didn't like that <laughs> It's, it's come up in, for for two months worth of shows. I leave him alone though. <laughs> As you mentioned, they um, bring a ladder into the match, and Taro asks, "Why is there a ladder there?" And Disco says, "There's a ladder in case anyone wants to climb under the ring." <laughs> <laughs> uh, As is becoming commonplace when you feud with Super Dragon, uh, Sky did a curb stomp. And he also did, I, I guess it's called a final cut, the kind of spinning reverse DDT elbow drop thing onto a chair. You know, this guy got his, his good uh, vicious uh, spots in as well. And he did a Phoenix Splash as well. He did a, he did a good few. He got a lot in, yeah. So uh, uh, Dragon went for a Phoenix Splash as well, did he? Yeah, that was later, yeah. Um, and... Uh, they, he got hit with a cutter. He got hit with a cutter. Now it was one, as is often the case when you try and do a kind of overly cute high flying move into a cutter. It was kind of just Sky at the last second putting his hands on Dragon's head, and you call that a cutter. But then he did also float it around into a Dragon sleeper, which I thought was very cool. They were trying some innovative stuff. I didn't. Sorry, I didn't actually really take very many notes on this match, purely because I actually just got really into it watching it. I actually think. I always go back to it because it's a big thing for me in wrestling about stories and telling a story during the match. And I think these two did that very, very well. It's the best showing from Scorpio Sky by far. And I think it's a testament to our wrestler of 2003, Super Dragon, of how good he is. And even when he's beating the shit out of people, Super Dragon makes people look so good as well whilst doing it. Because they can take it. I thought Sky was like an odd pick for this match going into it like I don't know why he specifically out of all the heels was the one but as you say I think he was actually elevated somewhat by being in there with Dragon and you know got his put the beat down on Dragon quite a bit and you know he looked like he was hanging with him so I think yeah, I think it was a benefit to him essentially as a mid-card heel to be kind of brought up to Dragon's level I think that definitely came across in the match I think of the three he is the one and this has proven to be true with the most upside yeah, yeah, I, th- I think so. Um, it is funny looking at him and it's like, he's so skinny. Yeah. <laughs> he was tiny. Or he's oh. a monster now. He's so big. So, Taro is still in a bad way on commentary. Um, he passes out at one stage, which I'm not even sure if that was true or not, <laughs> because he did really sound groggy. But anyway, so he's asking... Disco to call an ambulance for him which Disco is hesitant to do because last time they called an ambulance when Shannon Ballard got hurt in the Joe match uh, they were charged an extra $500 and the Elks Lodge nearly kicked them out for good so they do not want to have to go through that again I always like those little insights to the backstage stuff that they reveal I actually think the guys did a pretty good job on the show. I think we've, we've given them uh, some guff before. I actually really enjoyed them. Taro and Disco are always a lot more serious when Excalibur isn't there. Yeah. He's, he's the ringleader. Yeah, Excalibur. he's the top messer. He is. He's, he's sitting at the back of the class getting giddy. Uh, ty- typing into... into <laughs> He's in at the back of the class, mask on, laptop up, aim open, sending uh, disco dirty messages. Um, <laughs> is he seducing? 
Well, Disco did get given rose, uh, rose by two women. No, that was Taro, was it? I thought it was Disco. It was Taro in the mask because he still had his mask. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we know Disco doesn't keep the mask on. Only when he's breaking up fights. So after a good showing by Sky, uh, Dragon pretty much decides he's had enough of this. Sky puts Dragon in the Dragon Sleeper. Dragon just gets up, (laughs) hits him with a psycho driver, hits the violence party, puts Sky's head on an open chair and hits a double stomp from the top rope and his head bounced it was disgusting I thought it was incredible yeah it it looked very good but fuck me that was dangerous as hell he squashed him like a grape (laughs) because I was really worried like because every ending had been so messed up this whole show when watching it just thinking this ending don't fuck this up don't have someone run in don't and the ending was just perfectly violent and guerrilla like warfare sort of ending it was fantastic that was also something I was very worried of all the factions coming in during yeah. the match because there was no DQ Yeah. and I think I really like how they protect this gimmick yeah. that they don't yeah. do that after crushing Scorpio Sky's skull Dragon does pin him to win his second guerrilla warfare Deserved. Deserved. <laughs> and that's the end of the in-ring action. It cuts literally to the back <laughs> for the grand return of Mr. Edward C. Vanderpile. A nice blue lettering. Very big on screen. The gist of what he was saying was people have speculated why I'm not with Adam Pierce anymore. That's between me and him. But he used to be an old school champion and now he's showing off for the fans. That was the gist of what he said. This man took seven minutes <laughs> and he might as well have started with, I woke up this morning and I made myself a cup of coffee and I sat there and I thought about Adam Pierce. Adam Pierce born in 1975. Let me tell you. Oh my God. What? What are you talking about? I what? thought that promo was great. I thought it, it was, was brilliant. It was brilliant. Oh my God. It was First of so all, good. you're not Southern. You can't do that accent for, for six and a half minutes. we've seen on these shows 100% but it was so like it did not need to be seven minutes and long that made sense though yeah all of it made sense he told a backstory I was enthralled so was I I couldn't believe it. my notes say oh my god this is great what because the hell he was explaining Adam Pierce's character better than Adam Pierce. but Pierce's you can do character. that in less time why, Someone why, why, watched why, why, it all in one sitting and wanted it to end. <laughs> done. No, absolutely done. not done. Absolutely not done. I mean, correct. He's done, ladies and gentlemen. He's yeah. done. Uh, What's wrong okay. with a seven-minute bleach, promo? The bleach blonde buzz cut Eminem style hair. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah he also no. looks ridiculous. Yeah. That's the other thing. But I thought it was fantastic. I thought the logic of the promo was good. I liked that he... Because he did oh. say... Oh, 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 sorry, yeah. Larry's not allowed to have a nuanced thought. What's no nuance by too long didn't like it? You've taken five minutes to say it was too long and you didn't oh, like it. Wow. You've just repeated the same point over and over. So. Because I'm getting screeched over, Emma. Wow. Wow. Anyway, the first of the promo that I liked were that he said 
Pierce was thinking of packing it in. Minutes three through six. (laughs) (laughs) And he was watching his old tapes and he was watching his flair and he realized that's the kind of champion he wanted to be. And I thought the logic of uh, Vanderpile saying that he is no longer that kind of champion, especially on this show with Pierce doing the shtick he was doing on this show. I thought it tied in really well and the logic of it was fine. I just didn't think his delivery was any good. I didn't think we needed to hear about how, oh, WCW offered him something, WWF offered him something, ECW offered him. What? That so explains what? the entire thing. No, it <laughs> doesn't. All of that made so much sense. So it made sense, but it's not necessary. Okay, of course it's necessary. Let's let some of, let's, let's let some of us talk about it. Yeah. Um, sorry, but she keeps shouting me down going oh so I didn't like it what and, yet, and yet you managed and yet you managed sorry right, proceed, like, tell me how not, this is the best sorry. promo we've ever seen go on it's not like he was standing in the middle of the ring to the live audience because they would have walked out if, but, if he was but like that's why it was perfect it was backstage him explaining all this backstage if he didn't like it why didn't you turn it off oh turn it off now say good hour tell us why you liked it the way they explained his backstory about how he did turn down ECW, WCW, WF, even if that's true or not, because it wasn't the wrestling he wanted to do. And then watching the older guys and realising that's who he wanted to emulate, and he wanted a manager like Flair had JJ Dillon or Bockwinkle had Bobby Heenan, and that's why he needed Vanderpile. I thought that worked like so well in explaining him better than what we've been slagging him off for, like being a cheap cosplay, because that's actually what he is and that's what Vanderpile bought into and then I loved the callback that it was the helmet yes yeah. with Kazarian that yeah. was the straw that broke Which the camel's back but yeah. we also kind of loved no you loved it we hated it <laughs> <laughs> Nick Bockwinkle wouldn't do that Nick yeah, Bockwinkle, you said wouldn't, Nick do Bockwinkle that. wouldn't do that it was, I thought it was perfect and actually unlike Barry's thoughts the most nuanced thing we've seen on these shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, fucking eat my whole. Oh just say, and no thank you. It, you almost felt like Vanderpile was coming to a realization towards the end when he just goes, Adam Pierce is a mark. Yeah. And then I thought that was brilliant. It was that like, was a great line. He is a mark. <laughs> and it worked. Like, yeah. it wasn't a business exposing use of the term mark. No. no. It's not he thinks this is real when it's fake it was he is no better than the stupid paying fan yeah Yeah. so like he still kept being a heel as well and I'm also real interested what this means like where this go to is he going to have a new guy to come in and face Mm -hmm. Pierce because I'm not ready for baby face no no, no, baby face Adam Pierce who could they get though to out old school Tully Blanchard (laughs) (laughs) maybe baby slim and Vanderpile become one and the same. And well, NWA champion fucking Baby Slim with the suit and the title. I'd love that. Yeah, and Vanderpile coming out with a sign that says Keep a Gangster. <laughs> oh my That's god. Money. I do really um, want to keep a gangster shirt dog. I'm still. Yeah, we need to just get a made. Find that man, hound him, and see if he'll still make them. Be it crip, blue, <laughs> or <laughs> blood red. We'll take him. I want a black one. Was there black ones? Yeah. Jeez, he had a load of colours. <laughs> He was ahead of the PWT's game. Ah, oh, that's it. Yeah, set up your pro wrestling team. Set it off. Go yeah, ahead. you'll be in hot topic before you know it. <laughs> Any closing thoughts on the show? I had its highs and lows. An easy watch, which is what we want. Very good main event. I think the main event. If we didn't have the main event, it would have been a nothing show. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that was intentional. That they didn't go too wild to save it all for the main event well they broke my heart but I enjoyed it I thought it was a decent match card 
think. <laughs> <laughs> so is this the end of the the SBS against the rival upstarts, or is this going to keep going? Do you think? Well, judging by Price and Greta's booking tactics, it's going to go on forever. Yeah, <laughs> and somehow Frankie Kazarian yeah. and Adam Pearce will get involved. Yeah, I hated like three of the finishes on this show, and then the mid the middle chunk of matches weren't that good. But top two matches really saved it. I thought so. I'd say it was average overall. We'll find out what this show leads to on PWG the Musical, which will be our next episode. But before we leave you, we have a few questions for our new segment which is called Curious Gorilla. So our first question comes from the one and only Dino Winwood, who asks, if there's enough sugar in your system, possibly from what I see here, what high flying move do you think you could accomplish? That question was asked us by Dino on Twitter in response to our call for questions, where we also shared a picture of our delicious milkshake lunch before recording, (laughs) which is possibly why we are all very giddy and hyper today. Um, as opposed to the other as days. opposed to all the other times honestly after the the sugar monstrosity we had I think I'm coming down I'm actually feeling very very ultimate warrior splash at the moment <laughs> that's, that's about I could just about jump in the air and fall face down that'll be about it at the moment I was going to say Ricky Ortiz which was even worse remember his Ricky one? Ortiz wow new ECW yeah I could probably just I might just do a coffin drop <laughs> that's a good one <laughs> Feeling pretty sluggish, so <laughs> the word. Yeah, I'll just do the slug. <laughs> Which is? <laughs> I think I could try a somersault that would probably end up as a leg drop, and I'd crush someone's skull by mistake. And shit your pants all over their head. <laughs> Shake everywhere. Next question is from Feta, who is at Cheese Thom on Twitter. He says, if you are watching, how are you enjoying Excalibur on AEW? Um, I think we're all watching. Just to speak very broadly, I would say I'm super, super impressed with him. Uh, obviously, we've talked about the highs and lows of him here on early PWG, but I think in modern PWG, I think he's been great for years. And I think he's transitioned really, really well to uh, TV. I did like on this show we were watching... He jokingly did a bit that his commentary partner, JR, does unironically all the time, which is talk about, if you win, you go to the pay window. <laughs> but uh, yeah, in AEW, he comes off like a professional and a natural, and uh, I'm so, so happy that he's actually managed to get a, a real major TV gig out of his PWG work. He's my favourite commentator of all time, and that's what I'm going to say. Yeah, I think he makes it his business to know each and every wrestler to know about them and to keep notes on them and if he doesn't know it he doesn't try and make it up like a lot of people do will just kind of go uh, well yes of course Japan is a country which uh, they will wrestle in and <laughs> speaking of Japan <laughs> um, I, yeah I think he's excellent I think one thing he does which might be because he did so much commentary with wrestlers yeah is he sort of holds Jim Ross's hand mm-hmm. through it yes. and he sort of knows how to guide him which is a very weird thing to say yeah. about Jim Ross but like the man is pretty out to lunch at the, these days next question here from uh, Henry at blue underscore Ray Mysterio on Twitter he says to celebrate Disco Machine's first PWG singles win what is your favourite disco song 
and or machine I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking that it's two questions disco song and unrelated machine not related to disco so my favourite disco song is the most uh, obvious one which is You Should Be Dancing by the Bee Gees okay. and my favourite machine is the McFlurry machine <laughs> I was going to say Frozen Yogurt Machine oh okay yeah, on the same level anyone else want to pick the Bee Gees song as well? no okay favourite disco song? I Feel Love by Donna Summer that was mine! Oh, yeah <laughs> okay I have another one then okay okay uh, funky time <laughs> okay what constitutes disco? would be generous like, like any, anything you kind of bop to what about more, more, more? Yes, yes. absolutely. That's yeah, probably my Francisco. Okay, to it. favorite machine. My mobile phone. Rage Seven. against the. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, That's so you. The suicide machine, Paddy Morrow. <laughs> the unbreakable effing machines. Oh yes. <laughs> Determinator. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. We have one more question which came uh, via email which is gorillaisland at gmail.com and it comes from Josh Dear the podcast Journey Through Gorilla Island I've been listening to your podcast for a while now and let me just say that I love everything about it (laughs) Flan's unmatched knowledge and enthusiasm for PWG Zig's dry wit Emma's infectious giggling (laughs) And Barry's loud, obnoxious, nasally, fucking, incessant interjections and awful attempts at humour. Yeah. I just love it all. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm glad, I'm glad he likes it. I'm glad he likes it. I'm glad he likes it. Thank you, Josh. <laughs> this era... <laughs> this era of American indie wrestling isn't something I'm all that familiar with outside of Ring of Honor. So to hear about it from all of you has been great. However... <laughs> I'd love if more of the podcast was spent actually talking about the wrestling and not whatever fucking TV show or film just happens to enter Barry's fucking dog brain at the time. Other than that, fantastic podcast. Is there going to be a a question aimed at me in every question segment so far? Because that's two in a row. Before I ask my question, I would like to ask something of all of you. I think it'd be fun. If the three hosts oh, all did an impression of Barry. Absolutely not. It would not be fun, actually. Specifically the... Oh, oh, oh. I guess we're all laughing at Barry. <laughs> we're all having a good laugh. We are. thing he does when he gets gotten to, as he likely is right now. Doesn't sound accurate, but okay. I look forward to listening to this bit. Mm, I bet he does. They were good interjections through the entire Oh, well, look, he likes them. He likes them. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Um, nice that he can make this podcast about himself as well. That's good. Would anyone like to kick off the impression? What? What? What are we doing an impression now? Is that it? <laughs> Is that it? Okay. Okay. <laughs> solid, solid, yeah. I've heard better, but you know. Would you like the chosen text? Oh, oh, oh. I guess we're all laughing at Barry then. We're all having a good laugh. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, oh, so I guess we're all laughing at Barry then. We're all just having a good laugh, yeah? There's a visual aspect of this that's lost for the listeners, unfortunately. Oh, the, I'm the sure. Man, it the comes man, the, no, it the comes mannerisms across. are good, though. Yeah, they, they really make it, yeah. The wild gesticulation just mm. has to be seen to be mm. believed. Mm. We should record them someday. Mm. 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 Yeah, no, yeah, 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 yeah. For sure, for sure, for sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> anyway. On to my question, which is this. Jesus Christ almighty. Who do you think had the juiciest bussy in PWG <laughs> at this time? <laughs> 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 
You didn't expect that, did you? <laughs> I suppose not. Looking forward to your answers. The warmest regards, Snowboy. Frankie Kazarian. Oh, you son of a bitch. It still is a juicy bussy. He's still a juicy bussy. Yeah. He's not in it all the time, but I'd say AJ. No, but at this time. But he is of this era. Was not the yet. AJ's been in it. He challenged Kaz for the belt twice. Oh my God, he did. Okay, yeah. Any thoughts, Barry? Not really, no. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. Actually, I'm still thinking. Yes, um, yes. Oh, I don't like this pressure. I think, yeah, I suppose. The future. <laughs> the bussy for the future. <laughs> the bussiest man in the world. The bus capacitator. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, this is something else. <laughs> okay, okay, who can I choose? Great <laughs> audio. Yeah, do, no, do you want to get your catalogue? <laughs> what about Rocky? Yeah, let's go with Rocky. Rocky's Let's bossy. end the thing. Okay. Yeah. Please don't listen to And this. Barry remains celibate. Well, thank you for that, Josh. Um, Cheers, Josh. <laughs> so I think we'll call it a day there. The three of us might be back next month. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> not, not in this studio, you won't. <laughs> so if you want to get in touch and ask us more questions or attack any of us personally, our Twitter is at Gorilla Island. The email once again is gorillaisland at gmail.com. My own Twitter is at Zig on the Rocks. At the Barry Light. At Sarah Flan. At O underscore MG. So we will catch you next time for PWG the musical. I love musicals. I hope there are a few numbers. Oh, we should bring back the piano. <laughs> they should. Yes. Here's hoping. Bye. 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 Bye.